All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Wurzberger. We are the official, official, official podcast, Tim, of HockeyFights.com. Pretty excited. We haven't mentioned Hockey Fights in a while. It's just been so much going on, but how could we forget HockeyFights.com? There's been some good fights lately. It's been nice to see. The boys have been a little upset. They've been a little uh, ornery. Maybe uh, they don't like the non-COVID restrictions. I don't know. Maybe they they like playing different teams all the time, and there's some animosity on the ice. It's nice to see. But go to HockeyFights.com. Check out all the fights. AHL is coming back. Every, everybody's fighting. Everybody's throwing their fists everywhere. It's great to see. So check out HockeyFights.com. Give them a, a little support. Not that they need it. They're a juggernaut. Absolute juggernaut, HockeyFights.com is. But, yeah, check them out if you want to see a good fight. Tim, how are you, my friend? We didn't do many episodes last week. What happened? We kind of we kind of lost lost track of time. Yeah, I can just blame it on you being in Florida, but it was great. It was it's good to see you again. Um, it feels like it's been forever since we talked, and there's so much happening around the league that I'm, I'm, I want to get into. You know what I want to get into first? I'm going to do my car ride here first. Car ride home with John. Um, <laughs> and it's 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 not to do with the hockey player. Um, it's to do with everybody in the whole world who drives. So I just finished driving. 40 plus hours to Florida and back. That's over. I would say I drove about 3000 miles in a week. What is it with people who don't get over from the fast lane? Even though there's at least one, sometimes two or three lanes wide open. Why don't you move over? What is your problem driver in the fast lane? You see me coming. It's not like I have a small car. I'm ripping in the fast lane. I'm going 83 miles an hour. My cruise control is set. I don't want to touch the brake. I don't want to pass you on the right. I just want to relax, listen to my podcast, and continue to zoom down 75 South. Get out of my way. Why is it? Are you one of those people, Tim, who just sit in the fast lane? I like to think I have great awareness. I know when people are coming, I give them the space. But even you shouldn't just sit in the fast lane unless you're passing. That's the rule. So even once I pass someone, I get in the middle lane. And then I wait to pass. It just drives like... And I'm and I have my wife and kids in the car, so I can't react the way I want to react is to throw the brights on or to honk or to ride their tail. So I just, you know, go around them. It's fine. But it just gets frustrating. Sometimes you can't go around and there's a car just ahead of them and you can't get 
in and then people get prideful when you go to pass them and they speed up. That happened to me at least 50 times where it's like they're going 75 and I go to pass them and all of a sudden they're like, oh, and they gun it. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Then I got to put my brakes on Then I get angry and I passive aggressively go in front of them, put my windshield wipers on. It's the fluid sprays everywhere. It's just I don't like it. I don't understand why people are just oblivious to driving. They just are completely out to lunch when you're on the highway. It, it drives me bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. I could have been to Florida an hour and a half faster if people were to just get their head out of their behind. It's, it's, it's craziness. That was my one takeaway from the drive. Nobody cares about anybody. Nobody cares about anybody. It's like, I'm driving. This is my lane. I don't care how fast you're going. I'm in this lane and I ain't moving. I don't care how close you get to my bumper. I'm not moving, buddy boy. And I'm just like, come on. No consideration for anybody else. It's it's complete downfall of society. It's a microcosm of society right there. Nobody cares about anybody else. Everybody's in it for themselves. Good so, use of microcosm. What's that? Good use of microcosm. That's right. Thank you. But it, you think maybe at some point, like they're you're they see you tailing them, and it's like a matter of principle or ego at that point. It's like, ah, screw that guy. I'm I'm gonna go even slower now. I'm not letting him pass. I, can, I, can, I physically did not tail them because I had my cruise control on, and my car is fancy enough where it sets a gap, and it won't let me get on their tail. So I'm a good twenty five feet away from them, and so they see me. I wasn't on their tail. So that's not even an issue. Now the old me would have taken the cruise control off and I would have tickled their bumper with mine, but I didn't let that happen. I was like, we're going to calmly, you know, go around them, try to be a good Christian. And I got flipped off more times than I want to say, because people just don't like getting passed. And I didn't do the, you know, the passive aggressive break tap when I passed. I'm like, come on, like, get out of there. I didn't do that. People just don't like getting passed. I don't know if it's a competitive thing. I don't know. It's, it's what Ricky Bobby says. If you're not first, you're last. And I tell you what, I like driving fast. What can I say? I'm like, uh, I got her to triple digits. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I like getting it going sometimes and he, either you're in or you're in the way. And a lot of people were in the way. And uh, that was my only grievance of driving, but man, just get out of the way. It's not your road. It's not, it's not your lane. And we're spending a lot of time on this, but it's just annoying. Who's got a quicker pace. You or Connor McDavid scoring. Holy moly segues, Tim. That was amazing. Connor McDavid. He is amazing. Honestly, it, it, it's hard to wrap your head around how good this kid is. Now, I was I was done with my career. My last year was his first, so we did overlap. I did see him play. And even coming in as a rookie, you could tell this guy was special. He had a different gear. In a time where speed, everybody wanted speed. Everybody needed the guy who can rip up and down the ice. Connor McDavid still was noticeably faster. And that was his rookie year. And he's only improved and he's gotten quicker and his hands have gotten better and he's become more aware and he's become a more complete player. The things he can do at high speed are just unbelievable. I don't think people realize the greatness that we're watching right now with Connor McDavid, honestly, and I'm not overstating it. I'm not overselling it. Every single time he steps foot on the ice, every single time, Tim, there's not a shift where he steps on the ice where the other team 
doesn't, their sole purpose isn't to shut him down. Whether it's the power play, whether he's killing a penalty, whether it's whatever the situation is, every time he steps foot on the ice, all five guys in the other team, their sole goal is to shut him down. And he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. It's, it's incredible. He has 13 points in five games. He's almost averaging three points a game. And I know it's a small sample size. He did that last year too. It's, it's absolutely mind boggling the pace that he's on. And I like, I don't think it's going to slow down. Everybody game plans for Connor McDavid. And he still goes out there and he says, you can't stop me. You, there's no way to stop me. The rules that they have in place. If you're going to stop him, you're going to take penalties. And the Oilers' power play is lethal. So they're either going to get you on the power play or he's going to get you five on five. Pick your poison. You're not going to be able to keep up with them. If, if you put two guys on him, he has Dreinsidel riding. He's going to get his points. So it's a, a, what, what do you think of his start? It's historic what he's doing. Well, dating back to last season, he now has 47 points in his last 18 games play, which is basically the same pace you just said, 2.6 points per game. John, right now, this season, he's on pace for 214 points. And the record in the NHL is 215. Wayne Gretzky said in 85-86. I mean, there's there's no way to say, yeah, he's going to do it because the game is just so different. But he just, it makes it that much more impressive, like how fast the defensemen are, how good the goalies are, how big their pads are. And he's still putting up just silly numbers. And the difference this season, because he's done something, he's done stuff like this pretty much every year. But now Edmonton's 5-0. It's not just it's not just him. It's the whole team's competing really hard, and he's not he's not scoring at the expense of defensive play or two way play or, or back checking or anything like that. He's scoring and he's helping his team win games, and I think that's what makes Edmonton so dangerous right now. Well, let's we'll we'll get into this a little bit later of what what teams' records mean and you know who's a facade, who's for real, who's just kind of maybe hit the ground running pretty hot and they're going to slow down. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said. You know, Gretzky's 215 points. That's amazing. That's that's very impressive. That was in an era where goaltenders, you know, they didn't take, I don't want to say they didn't take their job as serious. Goaltenders now are really, really good. Back in the day, the best athletes, they used to play forward. You were a centerman, you were a winger. The, the sub-tier athletes used to play defense. And then the third-tier athletes used to play goaltenders. That's no, you know, I'm not throwing shade at all the goalers, goaltenders back then, but you look at the goaltenders nowadays, they are physical specimens. They're unbelievable. Their pads are huge. They, they play a style which is just so much different than they played back in the day. They, ne- they never used to go down in Gretzky's era for Pete's sake. And when they did, it took them a year and a half to get back up. Like it, It's a completely different game. So the defense is better now. Everything's quicker. It, it's a completely different style. It's much harder. You can see it in the goals per game. It's so much more difficult to score now than it was in Gretzky's era. And the fact that he even is going to come even close to that 215 points, it's, it's amazing what he's doing. It's abs- He is, if he keeps his pace up, longevity is the key. Gretzky did it for the better part of two decades. If Connor McDavid can keep this pace up, and I, I, he doesn't have to pass Gretzky. That that's a big thing that I, I want to get out there. I don't think he has to pass his point total. I don't think he will. Gretzky hit 200 points like six, seven times in a row in some insane number. If he gets within, you know, a couple hundred points, Connor McDavid is the best player who's ever stepped foot on the planet. That's my opinion. So 
because it's it's a completely different era. And it's it's kind of cool that he's in Edmonton. So there is that kind of connection that they have. What's not cool is Gretzky won cups in Edmonton and now McDavid is just being wasted. And it it's really impressive what he's doing. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. If you have a chance to watch one player in your lifetime now, find a way to see Connor McDavid. The guy is electric to watch. There's very few players who I would pay to watch. Connor McDavid is one of them. And another one is a guy who I thought was going to have a garbage year. And he's come out and just, I'm eating crow every night when I look at the box score and I, and I look at the highlights, I'm like, okay, Washington. Okay. They, they won, they lost four, three Ovechkin. Oh, I got a golden assist. Tim, it's not a good look for me. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to touch on McDavid? We'll come back to the Oilers, but what else you got on Connor? Nothing else on Connor, but I'm having a lot of fun on social media seeing the the tweets and comments and all that with Ovechkin. He scored. He, they're five and no, no, five and no. They played five games. He's got five goals, five assists. And you called him two weeks ago, saying he's finally going to kind of hit a wall and come down, and he's having the best art of his career. Um, and it's a <laughs> the Caps fans are letting you know every single goal you're getting dozens of tweets. Do you, you know what? Ready to, to take it back? Apologize. No, I- I'm definitely not. He he has had a very nice start. I, I will say that. It's a long way from 30 goals. He's got five. Very impressive. You know, the, good for him. The Caps power play is is a lethal power play, much like Edmonton's. They they know how to score goals. And they're doing this without Backstrom. It's a, it's a very good start for Washington. This They should be very happy with how Ovechkin's been. You know, he's still, the age is a factor. I I do think he's having a great start. I don't think this will sustain itself. You know, he's very excited. He's got the new deal. He's going out there. He's scoring a ton of goals. I didn't say he was not going to get goals. 30 goals is still a heck of a lot of goals in this league. He's still going to be top 20 in the league. But I don't don't think he's going to be that guy. And so far, he's proven me wrong. I'm, I'm willing to admit, yeah, he's had an unbelievable start. Better than anybody has ever expected. You can't you can't find one person who would have said, "Oh yeah, Ovi's going to have ten points in the first five games." There's there's no no one who would have ever guessed that. But good for him. He's got ten points. He's third in the league. That's unbelievable. I don't think he's going to maintain it. The Caps they're they're a feel good story. They're winning. They they you know beat up on the Rangers. They played Tampa Bay to an overtime game. They're playing really well. They beat the Avalanche. It's not like they're playing. Cupcake teams. So the the Washington Capitals are proving themselves to be a very very good team, even with their older roster, even with their defense. You know, looking a little shaky in the preseason and coming into camp, no one knew what to expect. They're playing pretty well. Will they maintain this? We'll see. I don't know. They got they got a pretty good schedule coming up to round out the month. So it would not surprise me at the end of this month you see Washington in first place. Have they lost a game yet? They lost in overtime, so they haven't lost their game in regulation. They play Ottawa, Detroit, and Arizona to round out October. They're going to have a pretty good October that we're going to end up like 7-0-1, Tim. So, good start for Washington. Ovechkin will slow down. And when we're talking in February and Ovi's got 21 goals, I'm going to go back and I'm going to see every tweet that someone sent me, and I'm just going to send you a picture of my face. And I'm going to say, I told you so. You know, hold my beer and it's going to be one of those. So just, you know, I like to play the long game. I I don't get too excited, Tim, too early because I know it's a long season. Anything can happen. Oh, I had my first hockey game last night and I haven't played in a game like a year and a half. 
I took one shot. Someone gave me the, uh, the puck at the top of the circles and I, I pivoted and I took a slap shot. I collapsed to the ice because my hip gave out. That's going to happen to Ovechkin. So I'm just saying <laughs> you're getting older, you know, and he obviously keeps himself in peak physical shape, but the body doesn't react like it does when you're, when you're 36, 37, 38, I'm 39 now for Pete's sake. I'm 39. Ovi's got to be what? 37. He ain't no spring chicken, baby. So, but yeah, my hip went out. I, I went down. She goes down, goes Frazier. And I was just, I just went right off the ice. I'm like, this is, this is terrible. I'm so embarrassed. Was it oh, like, like I got stabbed like a thousand times on my right side. And it, it happens quite a bit to me. At least once or twice a week, I get out of my car or get out of a chair and I get stabbing sensations up my side of my leg. And I think it's because my hip's coming out of socket a little bit. So, yeah, what are you going to do? It's it's the price you pay for playing hockey every day for 30 years. I think my body just, it's just shutting down. It's completely shutting down. But anyway, so let's move on. Ovechkin, good for him. Five goals, five assists in five games. I'm not ready to say that I'm wrong, though. Yeah, do you think I'm wrong, Tim, or I'm just being stubborn? I thought you were wrong when he said it the first time, even before he went on this hard start, hot start. You're, just, you're a terrible friend. I'm you're not. supposed to have my back. No, no, not on this one. Just saying, oh, that's not going to score goals. Like, come on. I didn't say he wasn't going to score. It's like I'm saying he's going to get. Z- I said he was going to get 30 goals. That's a pretty stinking good year to get 30 goals. There's 82 games. It's a Don't goal every career. Yeah. He has to have some kind of fall off. I was predicting it to be this year. I still think it is. What other good stories do we have, Tim? What other teams that are surprising out of the gate? There's a few teams that are sort of surprising people. Buffalo certainly being one of them. But I want to talk about the Sharks. They're four and one. They lost the Bruins last night, yesterday. Um, But this is a team that looks completely different and are winning games since they lost. Their best player last year, Evander Kane, he was their best player on the ice, goals, points, all that. Um, one of those addition by subtraction things. And I'm curious, I mean, we kind of talked about this. I don't want to get into Evander again, but just the fact that they, the, the idea of losing your best player and being better off for it, just because there's the dressing room is just that much better, right? There's no distraction. There's no negative energy. There's more focus. Everyone's kind of, you know, rowing in the same direction. How important is that, John? I think it's massively important. Uh, I do think you see it. What's what's the old phrase? Will beats skill when skill doesn't have work or something. There's a saying I saw on a wall. I don't know. But if you don't have, like you said, everybody pulling on that rope, and if there's one guy, you know, not doing his part, and he just so happens to be the guy on your team who you expect to do a lot of work, it, it affects the team. And I'm not saying Evander didn't produce last year, but when we went and met with the sharks, you know, I'm still pretty friendly with most of those guys. It was very eye opening to hear the mentality of the guys on those, that team, right? Like we're, we're not talking rookies. We're talking guys who have been around leaders on that team who, who just frankly said to us, it's like, there's a lot of issues on this team and I'm not going to name names, but like we palled around with all the guys on the team and, every one of them to a man was like, it ain't like it used to be like, there's some issues on this team. There's this guy, there's this guy. I don't like it. There's issues with the coaches and all that seems to be a sorted out. You know, they have a fresh group of coaches in there. They, they got rid of 
you know, some of the issues and that was a Vander and I, I don't want to, you know, kick a guy when he's down. I kind of do if it's a Vander cause he's a piece of garbage, but it, it's, it's glaringly obvious. And mind you, San Jose, they haven't had the hardest schedule. They played Winnipeg first night, squeaked by them 4-3. They played Montreal, who was just mentally gone the first week of the season. They got Ottawa. They squeaked by them. And they had a good win versus Toronto. But Toronto maybe isn't the team that we that we thought they were. And then they got, you know, they had a hard-fought game versus Boston last night where they lost 4-3. So it's a very good start for San Jose. I think not anybody expected this. Is it going to maintain itself? I don't think so. The one luxury that San Jose has is they get to play in the Pacific division. It's, it's a nice thing to be able to look at your schedule and you can go, okay, who do we play this month? Oh, we, we get to play the flames a bunch of times. We get to play Anaheim a bunch of times. We get to play LA a bunch of times. Like it, it's nice to have those games where you don't have to gear up for it. You're not in the East coast where it's like, okay, we got Pittsburgh. We have Washington. We have the Islanders. We have the devils. We have the Boston. We have the hurricanes. We have Florida. We have Tampa Bay. None of those games is an easy out. Not a single game is an easy game. And it wears on you every single game when, when you just, and I'm not saying players don't, you know, try every single game, but I know as Personally, my role, I had to look for a fighter. I knew going into Detroit, I just it was a cakewalk. I didn't have to gear up for anything. I can go out, I can play, I can have fun, I can chirp, I can hit, I can do whatever I wanted to do because Detroit, there's no accountability. Conversely, I knew when I used to go on the Western Road swing, I'm like, here we go. Make sure we're, make sure we're healthy. You got to go to Calgary. They got McGratton. They got uh, West Garth. We're going to Edmonton. They have always have tough guys. We're going to the Anaheim. We're going to LA. They always have tough. It was a different mentality. And I think the teams in the Pacific Division, specifically the the good teams, you know, the Edmontons, the Vegases, the Colorados, it's, it's almost like the North Division last year in Canada, where there was just a, a lot of teams that weren't competitive. And, and I know we debated that a lot last year, but there was a lot of teams that were just out there. The Vancouver's, the Ottawa's, Winnipeg had a kind of a down year. Calgary was a mess. Edmonton was easy to play against. So it, it was it was an off year for the North Division. I think we're seeing that in the Pacific Division. But I know getting back to the, to the Sharks, Kane being gone is good. It's a good start for them. I, I don't think it's sustainable. I think they will be competitive. There's a lot of good players on that team. You know, they said they saw Burns, they have Carlson, they have Vlasic, they got Hurdle, they got Couture. Like, there's some talent on that roster when you look at it. And if they can all get it going, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs. I don't. I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup by any means, but it's a good story. Aaron Dell's playing well for them. You know, he's a he's turned out to be a pretty good little goalie. They got rid of Martin Jones, so good for the Sharks. I I I enjoy when San Jose wins, I, I, it pains me to, to say that they're, you know, in, in trouble for the next five years because of all the bad contracts. I'm just, I'm stating the obvious, but it doesn't mean I, I enjoy it, but yeah, it's, it's a good start for San Jose. It's, it's very nice to see all my former teams, except for one, actually, except for two are doing fairly well. The Rangers are doing good. The Sharks are doing good. The Sabres are doing good. The wild have been playing really well, actually, except for three, the Hawks, the Canadians, and uh, who else is and the Coyotes? Woof! All three of those. I don't think there's a win between all three of them. Barely. Anyway, moving on, Sam. Let's let's talk about. You know, it was great when I went down to Disney. I didn't. I didn't have to worry about catching a game. Do you know why? 
Why? Because of ESPN Plus. They make it so easy to catch games wherever I want. I can bring my iPad. I can bring my computer. I can log into my ESPN Plus app, and I can check out any games that I want. They have thousands of games to check out. Every every single night, I go, tink, 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 tink. I get thousands of -of out-of-market games. I get 75 weekly national games all season long. And even if there's no hockey games on, I can stream thousands and thousands of live events from the best leagues and best tournaments all over the world. If I want to watch Cornhole, I can watch Cornhole or whatever you call it, beanbag. I can watch that. They have all kinds of original content. They got the 30 for 30 library. They got premium articles. I can, you know, read all the Matthew Berry fantasy football articles I want. They have fantasy tools and everything you want with ESPN plus. So sign up now, go to ESPN plus.com slash NHL slash gloves. Get a great deal. I think it's six 99 a month. I signed up, Tim signed up. It's a beautiful thing. He won't disappoint. They got they're they're doing a great job pushing the NHL. It's it's really nice to see. It's all over ESPN. It's all over ESPN Plus. Check it out. You can find all the action there. Watch Gretzky. Watch Biz. It's fantastic. It, it's a good good company. They got good content. And they're doing really really nice things over there. So go to ESPNPlus.com slash NHL slash gloves. Helps us out. You get to watch all the hockey you want. All right, Tim, let's move on. We did the good. We did the good. That's exciting. You know, at the start of the season, everybody has such high expectations and you kind of reevaluate after a week. Okay. Where are we at? What do we need to improve on? It's been a week and a half, two weeks since the start of the season. The Toronto Maple Leafs, Tim, you're an insider in Toronto. You, you, you know, the heartbeat of the city. What is happening in Toronto right now where they had such high expectations? They were every year, they they plan the parade route in Toronto and, and they know where they're going. Okay. We're going to go down young and then we're going to go to a bath. We're going to do this. What is happening in Toronto right now, Tim? Uh, God, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we, I think everyone kind of thought that last year, this should be a step forward this year. I mean, we said it every year, but they, they, they're two, three, and one over the weekend. They lost seven to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. But I mean, it makes sense because they were, their roster is so good. Oh, wait a minute. They didn't have Crosby or Malkin or Latang oh. or Jeff Carter or oh. Ryan Rust. And there's oh. seven on them and only let up one goal against arguably the highest powered offense in the league. Um, Matthews missed the start of the season, but he's got, he's played three games, no points. Mitch Marner's played every single game, zero goals, one assist. And watching like, you know, hockey Twitter and some of the analysts insider and all that, they're, they're saying they don't look good. I don't know if it's an attitude thing. It's an energy thing. It makes me think about uh, what Frank Saravelli said about Marner is that he wants to win so bad. He tries to do too much. I don't know. It's hard to say if they'll turn it around, but I mean, you got to think that Keith is on the hot seat right now, the hot spot. Um, this is not, this is, this is, the stakes are too high to not, to not make a change at some point, right? Jason Spezza is the 39 years old. He's got the most goals in the team. So I, I don't know. Something's going to change here. It, it, something needs to change. And when you come into the, the season with such high expectations, we talked about this division. The Atlantic division is strong. There's a lot of good teams. Montreal is going to be there in the end. Tampa Bay, Boston are very, very good. Florida is really good as well. So you're basically, you need to, the fourth and fifth spot, that's where they're going to be competing for right now. Unless they catch fire because they, they look uninterested. They don't look like the team we saw last year. And last year's team, they had an amazing regular season. How much of that was smoke and mirrors because of the North division, what we just touched on, but my, oh my, they're, 
they do not look good at all. They need to revamp their defense completely. Their defense looks out to lunch. They, they look disinterested. Every one of their defensemen makes mistakes every single game. Justin Hall, I'm sorry, at this point is not a good hockey player. You know, I, I know Toronto developed him. I know they had high hopes for him. He looks like a fish out of water. He, he has five games in, he's dash six, and all six of those dashes are completely his fault. So he, he needs to go. TJ Brody, their big ac- acquisition, he, he's a little better, but still just absolutely a train wreck. He's dash one after six games, no points. Jake Muzzin, the guy they brought in, He's got Stanley Cup pedigree. He anchored LA, him and Drew Doughty. He was the big pickup. He played so well when they got him. He has been an absolute disaster as well. He's got one assist. He's been dash six. Morgan Riley, the guy they're going to have quarterback the power play. He's the guy. He's the holdover. We really wanted to keep him, and they kept him. He's got three assists. Like, where is this lethal Toronto power play that everybody thought we were going to have? Where is this offensive juggernaut that we all expected go up and down the ice? This team, maybe Zach Hyman really was a, a key cog in Toronto. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on Zach Hyman. Maybe he's the guy who stirred the drink in Toronto. Because who who is the guy who's going to go dig out a puck now? Is, well, Nick is, Ritchie was was supposed to be that replacement on that line. He's pointless in six games, and he's minus three. He's not looking he, good either. Which it, yeah. I, I'm not surprised by. I watched him with the Bruins. I never liked him as a player. Yeah. It's it's very concerning when you look at the the leaders on their team right now. And besides William Nylander, who's played okay, he's got five points in six games. The next top point getters are Jason Spezza, Michael Bunting, and Wayne Simmons. Like wh- what? Where is where is Austin Matthews? Where is Mitch Marner? Where is John Tavares? Where are you? Your, your top guys in your team are nowhere to be found. It's it's very, very concerning. I know Austin Matthews has only played three games. How many points did Connor McDavid have after three games? <laughs> 11. 100? He, he, there, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to come in and lay an egg for three consecutive games. Maybe one. You shake the rust off. You're Austin stinking Matthews. You know, you, you are a perennial MVP contender. You lead the league in goals every single year since you entered the league, almost like you're, you're in competition for the Rocket Richard Trophy every single year. There's no excuse for this. Mitch Marner, coming off of last year's playoffs, coming off of the year before his playoffs, coming off the year prior his playoffs, this is going to be a different year. You know, everybody, all the same talking points. You know, I'm going to learn from it. it I, I thrive under pressure. I, I want to succeed. Six games. You were supposed to be a premier playmaker in the NHL. You have one assist. That's inexcusable. Like that is absolutely inexcusable. It, it's, I don't know any other word to say it, but you're, it, they got to do something. There's nothing they can do. Keith needs to be fired. Campbell's played well. It, it's not like he's, he's playing bad. Their goaltenders are, you know, holding up their end. Mrazek obviously got hurt. He, he's going to be gone for a while. Hutchinson, he's a backup, but Jack Campbell's played pretty well for them. They just have a systematic problem where, they have no one who gets in on the forecheck. They have no sandpaper in their lineup. They have no will. They have no effort. It's it's a standard thing we've talked about with Toronto for the last five years now. Do Austin Matthews, Willie Nylander, and Mitch Marner have any sort of compete in them? And I know it's 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 
not easy to question someone's will and work ethic, but you have to. When you show that kind of talent that Mitch Marner has and Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander, it's like, well, what's what's not there? We talk about will and skill. We talk about, we know, pulling the rope. These guys don't want it. They want to be on the cover of ESPN. They want to be on TikTok. They want to do all the stuff that comes along with being a superstar. But at the end of the day, are they going to be willing to to do the the hard stuff, Tim? I don't think so. Are they going to be a Nathan McKinnon or a Sidney Crosby who are, who are going to go into the hard places and do do everything you have to do to win win a game when it's done down to crunch time? I don't think so. I think they're just cruising right now trying to get to the playoffs. And when you have that mentality, when you're like, okay, we'll turn it on when we need to turn it on, you're not going to turn it on. It never, never, never works. So they're two, three, and one right now. How how long till there's a change made? What if they go? What if they lose three out of the next four? And this continues. Like, do they, do they fire key? Do they make a trade? Like, what's <coughs> going with this? Yeah, and, and they have a. They play Carolina coming up tonight, and that's going to be a big game because Carolina is a very, very good hockey team. They get Chicago, they get Detroit, so they will turn it around. Listen, Toronto is a very good team, but just say if it's November. And they're still flying along at 500 and it's midway through November, which they have every possibility of being 500 midway through November. After those two games versus Detroit and Chicago, they hit Vegas, they hit Tampa Bay, they hit Boston, they hit an LA team who's looked very, very strong. Then you get Philly, who is always a tough out. If they look up and it's, you know, November 16th and they're seven and seven, I think Keith is gone. You can't, this is not a 500 team. This is not a team that just flounders around four or five in the playoff rankings. You need to be first place. You need to be first place in the Atlantic. You need to be the trendsetter. You need to be up there with Florida, who, by the way, is five and oh, who started off really, really good. Tampa Bay, like we predicted, is scuttling a little bit. They're the Stanley Cup champs, two time Stanley Cup champs, by the way. They're allowed to have this start. They've proven they can win. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're in sixth place in the Atlantic, I'm starting to get a little worried if I'm Shanahan. My, my hand is over the panic button. So I know we'll, we'll give them another month. Maybe they can write the ship and turn things around. But boy, oh boy, Austin Matthews, zero points in three games. Mitch Marner, one point in six games. Jason Tavares, where has he been? Or John Tavares, I'm sorry, where has he been? It's, it's just, it makes me nervous, Tim. And I, I love dumping on Toronto more than the next guy, but it comes a point where it's like, come on, you guys, it would be nice if you won. Like, let's go. You're, you're one of the best teams in the league or you're supposed to be let's, let's pick it up. What else is bad, Tim? Unless you got anything to touch on with Toronto. Sorry. No, but everyone's talking about Toronto. People are talking about Chicago Blackhawks, which we're going to get to in a second, but no one's really talking about the slow start that the Vegas golden Knights have had. They're one in four. They're at the bottom of the Pacific division, which we know is the weakest division in hockey. And it just seems like no one's people are turning a blind eye to this a little bit. Now, so far, uh, Robin Lehner has started all five of their games. So he's one in four, letting in three and a half goals a game. Save percentage is okay, not .904. But, you know, you're not getting the production you want from your some of your best players. Like, let me go down the list right here. Jonathan March so one goal, no assists. He's minus seven in five games. Uh, Jose Theodore. Uh, what's his name? Theodore is one goal, zero assists, minus four. Petrangelo, no points at all, minus six. Where is the production coming? Are you worried about this team, you know, going down the stretch or, the, or just kind of one of those flukes? No, this is obviously glaring. I picked this team to have the best record in hockey history. That was my <laughs> prediction. I thought they were going to come out of the gate flying. I thought they were going to just 
work everybody. They haven't. They they had a lackluster exhibition where they went two and two. They lost to Arizona. They lost to San Jose. The last two exhibition games. I don't think they much like Toronto. They've had some success in the regular season the last few years. They've had a little bit of success in the playoffs. I think they're just mailing it, mailing it in. I, I don't think they're taking these games very seriously. They got worked by LA. Seattle played them pretty tough. Like they're just not producing. And the thing that's glaring the most is they're not scoring goals. This is a Vegas Golden Knights team that should be up in the top when it comes to goal production, like they were year after year. So it, it's not like I said with Toronto, if they rattle off a few wins in the next couple of weeks, everything's going to be fine. I don't think they have the same panic button that Toronto has at this point in the season. Toronto, everything gets amplified. It's just just what comes along with playing in Toronto and the history that they have. They will have some time to grow. Peter Rangelo is that's, that's the one that worries me a little bit. You're supposed to be the guy you're supposed to be the kind of straw that stirs a drink, much like Hyman was in Toronto, apparently. And you're dash seven you have just not shown anything. It, it's very alarming to me that he's playing the way he is, but they'll figure it out. They've had some injuries. They, they'll write the ship. The luxury that they have is they play in the Pacific division. They're not playing very difficult competition night in and night out. They can look up and they can say, okay, we get to play Dallas. We get to play Anaheim. We get to play LA. We get to play some teams that we can work on things. We can shake things out like their next five games they play ottawa montreal detroit they play toronto so they'll they'll get to go and just kind of work on their games i'm not worried about vegas as much as i'm worried about toronto i think the top end guys on vegas i think they are hard workers patch as much as i don't like him he works hard mark stone as much as i think he needs a new barber he does work hard so i, I i'm not as worried for vegas i think they'll they'll turn it around i don't think they're going to be the Detroit Red Wings that we, that we talked about, but what are you going to do? You, you, not everybody can have a great start, Tim. For every team that starts off hot, there has to be a team conversely that just doesn't start off as good, and that just happens to be Vegas. Who else is who else is bad, Tim? Are we going to go to the ugly, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the NHL? You know what else is ugly? What? When I get hungry, I get I get very hungry. I get hangry. You know what I do when I'm hungry? I go to DoorDash. I just pick up my phone. I press the little DoorDash app and I go beep, boop, boop. What do I feel like having the glorious thing about DoorDash? You can get anything you want delivered to your door. Do I feel like sushi? I can get sushi. Do I feel like a burger? I can get a burger. Do I want a sandwich? I can get a sandwich. Do I want some pasta? I can get that. You can pick any restaurant you want in your area. You can Get food delivered to your house. It's going to be hot. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be reasonably priced because DoorDash is the best food delivery service in the world. I'm telling you right now. And we paired up with them for that reason. So go to DoorDash, enter promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the United States of America. If you're in the country north of us, Canada, enter promo code GLOVESDD. You get 25% off and you get no delivery fees on your first order. It's an amazing deal. Your first order is pretty much free. And you won't regret it. You'll get food. You'll be happy. You can just sit there like a fattened little calf and watch ESPN Plus and eat your DoorDash food and just get fat and plump and never have to leave your house. And you can all thank thank, thank me. So there you go. Go to DoorDash. How was that ad? That wasn't great. 
That was pretty good. I actually used DoorDash yesterday and I loved it. And it, and it always comes quicker than you think. Sometimes it's like, oh, it'll get here in 45 minutes and it's like 20 minutes. That's great. I was going to say the Michael Scott line, but I won't. <laughs> it's a family show. It's a family show. All right. So we got DoorDash behind us. Very exciting. DoorDash is the good, the bad, the ugly. DoorDash is the great because it's such a great company and it's food to your door and it's not even that expensive. It's a no brainer. <laughs> Now go to the ugly. There, there's a few ugly starts here. I talked about my former teams. We're, let's just focus in on the, the ugly of my former teams. The Chicago Blackhawks were, were kind of a trendy pick, right? To start the season, they had a f- couple good pickups. Marc-Andre Fleury was going to right the ship for the goaltenders. He was going to be the backbone of that team. It has not come to fruition, Tim. He has scuttled in his first few starts. They've had COVID issues. Guys have been in and out of the lineup. It just, they have not looked competitive at all. There's only a few teams left in the NHL who haven't gotten a win yet. And the Chicago Blackhawks are one of them. What you're a Chicago insider, Tim. What, what is everybody saying in Chicago? Why are they struggling so much? I don't know. It's so it's, it's, this is the one I'm most excited to talk about. Cause I think it's just fascinating. So they're oh five and one, they lost six to, three to Detroit last night. It was so bad, John. I've been kind of catching up on the, the stuff that's going on this morning. The Chicago fans started cheering. Let's go Red Wings Oof. At the, in Chicago. Like, and so Seth Jones kind of like their, their big ticket acquisition this off season. He was on the ice for all four Red Wings, even strength goals last night. And just over a hundred minutes of five on five hockey that Chicago has been had this so far this year, they've been outscored 10 to nothing, 10 to zero with Seth Jones on the ice. So it's like, it's just, it's really, this is why I put it in the ugly section. And then it also had the longest start to a season in NHL history without leading in, in any point in the game. So far, 16 periods. Like, this is bad. And then you go down the list. I mean, Patrick Kane missed yesterday because of COVID protocol. But they're, they're, the offense isn't really producing. And you look at, like, the plus minus on these teams or on these players to bring it. I mean, it's one thing, plus minus is not a perfect stat. Like, I get that. But you can look at this body of numbers and know there's something going on here. Dabrinkit, minus nine. Jones, minus nine. Kubelik, minus five. Tyler Johnson, minus five. Connor Murphy, minus seven. McCabe, minus six. DeHaan, minus seven. Even Jonathan Taze is minus six. It's, it's, there's an epidemic or something happening right now in Chicago, and it's not looking good. It's not looking good at all. And when you look at the games that they have played, they're not even close. It's not like they, they've had an opportunity. The game... Like they're sorry, I'm I'm stumbling because it's sad. They came into this season. I thought they were going to be a competitive team in the in the Western Conference. They haven't been in any game they played, and they they lose every game by three goals. They lost five two four one four one six three four to two four to three in overtime to the Devils. So Colleton's gone. I give him three more games, and he'll be gone. They play Carolina, Toronto. In St. Louis, I envision they'll lose all three of those games. I don't think he makes it to November. That's what I think. If, if you start the season 0-8-1, you, you can't come back from that. They've given him a pretty long runway. He's he's done okay. But they they put some players in that lineup. They, they brought in some guys. They brought in Tyler Johnson. They got Seth Jones. They got Jake McCabe. None of it has worked out. It, it, I don't know if it's Colleton's issue, but someone has to go. Their goaltenders have played absolutely atrocious. Marc-Andre Fleury, his stats are, are so large. His goals against is almost six. 
that's that's six goals a game. Like that's insane. His save percentage is eight three nine. I don't know how you predict this. Maybe he just he's been going to town on the deep dish pizza. Maybe, I don't know what's been going on with Mark Andre Fleury, but the whole team is just it's amazing how bad they are. And we said it this offseason when they <laughs> traded for Seth Jones, when they gave up that package, it was a massive mistake. Everybody critiqued it. Everybody said, you're, you're, you're blowing it. Why are you doing this? You revamped your team. You wanted to start all over. You get rid of, you know, you get rid of Keith, you get out from under his contract. And then you just saddle yourself again with Seth, Seth Jones for nine and a half million dollars. He's dash nine. He's dash nine. Like that's incredible. He, I, I talked about Justin Hall, how he looks at a, at a sorts in Toronto. The main difference between Justin Hall and Seth Jones is about six and a half million dollars. You bring in Seth Jones, you expect that guy to play 30 minutes a game. You expect him to be, be the best player on the ice. You expect him to lock down the other team's first line and to run the power play. That is what a franchise defenseman does. When you look around the NHL, the guys who make that kind of money, you expect things out of them. This is a terrible, terrible contract for Chicago. Seth Jones looks disinterested. He looks confused, frankly, on the ice. I haven't caught all the games, but the games I have caught in Chicago, he gets exposed regularly. Him and Jake McCabe, look, and it, it's incredible how bad he looks. He looks so good in Columbus, and it makes me think that John Tortorella just has such a strong system, and it's so black and white in towards the system where it's like every second of the game, you know where you're supposed to be, and if you're not in that spot, Torts yells at you. So he makes it very simple to play hockey. When you come to Chicago, Colleton's it's more free flowing. He lets the players move around a little bit and then he gives them a lot of freedom. It's not working. Seth Jones, he's like a fish out of water. He doesn't know what he's doing. There's so many times during the game where you look at him, you go, close the gap, close the gap. Your stick's in the wrong spot. Where are you, what are you doing? Why, why are you there? And then the puck's in the back of the net. It there's there's a fundamental way they play the game that needs to be changed, and they have a good team. So it, I don't think Carlton makes it to November. That's my prediction. It's really interesting. Liam McHugh last night tweeted a, an interesting little tidbit, basically that so seven minutes left, Hotcha down six to three. They call a timeout. Carlton hands a blank dry erase board to the players. They drew something up in a huddle and then handed the board back to him. He's not even calling the plays in those situations. I don't, and I mean, Taze was there, Kubelik. I don't, you know, it's the leaders on the team, but still, like, you think Calden's confidence is totally shot? He's like, hey, you guys figure this out. I'm not going to help you here. Or is that like his, his coaching style to let the players make that shot? Like, what's, what's going on there? Well, we don't know the context. Maybe someone asked for the whiteboard because they wanted to explain something to somebody else. But yeah, it, it seems to me that he's not in charge. You know, he's, he's in a tough spot. He's young. When you're a coach, you like to have some respect from the players. But when you look at the bench and you see Johnny Taves and Patrick Kane, those guys have done everything. They've won multiple Stanley Cups. Tazer's won gold medals. He's won everywhere he's gone. Can you really tell Johnny Taves what to do? And I know like you want to be respectful and this and that, but Johnny, like Johnny's the guy. And if he asks for a whiteboard, you give him the whiteboard and you say, Yes, here you go, sir. Like, so that's just how it rolls. But I don't know. It's too bad. They have a great roster. I I thought they were going to have a good year. All the blame lies on the players. Obviously, they should produce. Seth Jones, it's a bad contract. Marc-Andre Fleury is not playing well. Debrinket's not playing. Everybody's, they're playing bad. 
there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They need to be better. They need to start winning. I don't think they're going to. Colton's going to get fired. It's a lost season for Chicago. You can't start the year without winning a game in the first month and then have success. There's like St. Louis caught lightning in a bottle a few years back to win the cup. It's, it's very difficult to do, especially this day and age with this parody. It's very, very hard to do. All right. What other team will do one more Tim, and call it a day. My, my former team, the Montreal Canadians, I had an illustrious career there. One game, one game only. Then I retired. I said, I'd had enough. There's going to be no beating playing in the bell center ice. I said, I can't top this. I have to retire because it was so magical. And that was it. And that was my last time I stepped on NHL ice. It was magical. Me and Yarmar Yager, what, what are you going to do? They start one and five. They, much like Chicago, had a lot of big acquisitions this offseason. They bring in some high-end talent to supplement some of the offense. Nothing has worked. Carey Price gets hurt. Jake Allen's going to step in. He's been okay. He hasn't really won a game like Carey Price is apt to do every three or four games. They're dead last in the Atlantic Division even worse than the Toronto Maple Leafs. What is wrong with Montreal? You're a Montreal insider, Tim. What, what are people saying in Montreal? I mean, yeah, they're dead last in a division that has Ottawa and Detroit and Buffalo, who's playing really well. So this is not go- going well for them. Not a good start. One in five. What's glaring is just a lack of offensive production from their best players. Like you go down the list, Josh Anderson, Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Jeff Petrie, Brendan Gallagher. If you had a guess, like, you know, they're probably averaging about one goal each in five games, six games. They have zero goals, three assists. They're combined minus 10. They're just not producing. I don't know if it's the short summer. I don't know if it's last year was a fluke. I said earlier, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we might see a, a similar kind of step backward for them like we saw from Dallas two years ago. And so far it's looking like that. It's not even worse. I I, I don't think they're this bad. I mean, you can't, right? This is a good team, but – Maybe maybe we underestimated how much Carey Price has, has, you know, led them to these wins and won them games. You know, Shea Weber's being missing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think they turned it around. I don't think this is as bad as it looks, but it's still pretty troubling if you're a Canadiens fan. They read the headlines, and that's the worst thing you can do as a young player. You, you start to believe what everybody's saying, and you stop working. You're like, I have this league figured out. Cole Caulfield came in. He had a really good end of the regular season. He had a very good playoffs. And then he started to read the press releases. I'm going to win the Calder this year. I'm the favorite. That's me. I'm, I'm going to do it. I don't have to maybe work as hard as I did last year. So he, he drank the Kool-Aid of how good he was. And the same with Nick Suzuki. I, I just signed this big contract. I'm going to be the next you know big thing. They, they got rid of Dano. I'm the guy now. I'm 1A. It's going to be great. Next thing you know, the world comes at you fast and you're you haven't won a game and you haven't got a point and you're sitting here looking up at the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators and you have zero points in six games, or he's got one point, excuse me, and you're dash four and everything's just gone awry. So the good thing about hockey is there's 82 games. Things will get figured out. But when you're a young kid, you, you listen to this stuff, you read these things and it can't help but influence you. And when you're in the gym, and everybody's coming up and patting you on the back and, oh, good job. You know, you played so great. We're very, very excited. Maybe you don't go out and do that extra rep. Maybe you don't get on the on the field and do your, your plyometrics. Maybe you don't, you know, go to the rink earlier and do your this and that, what you would have done if maybe you, you had that drive. So I think you're seeing a result of that. 
with with the younger kids. You know, that doesn't speak to Gallagher. I think Gallagher, the miles have just caught up on him. He played a hard brand of hockey for a long, long time. And it's catching up with them. I don't think you would expect him to be a, an elite player in this league. He's going to be a good third line guy, fourth line guy. He'll kill penalties. He'll be responsible forward. He'll chip in every once in a while. He's not going to be the guy who drives the offense. It's going to be Caulfield. It's going to be Suzuki. It's going to be Anderson. It's going to be Toffoli. They'll figure it out. They have a deep enough lineup. Duran's playing well. He's been the one you know bright spot in this lineup. He's come back. He's playing really, really inspired hockey. He's hungry. Tim, as you like to say, he looks hungry. He looks, looks like he wants to compete. So that's nice to see. They'll, they'll turn it around. I'm not worried about them, it, but you know, that's what you get. That's what you get when you read the, read the headlines about yourself. That luckily that never happened to me. I never really got many good headlines, Tim, but it's uh, everyone's I'm human. Sure you got cocky after your rookie year and this, those fights in Minnesota. I'm sure you were feeling pretty good. It's hard to get cocky when you look at the, the guy who you're going to fight and he's an absolute animal and you're training with Derek Bubar all the time and he just ragdolls you. So no, I never got cocky because I always thought I was going to be knocked out in every single fight, but these young kids, that's what they do. They get cocky. They don't want to work. And next thing you know, you start the season and you're Austin Matthews and you haven't scored too many, too many photo shoots for the Leafs, too many uh, PR ops, you know, maybe spend a little more time in the gym, spend a little more time on the ice. And you'll notice that you'll get a little more success. You notice that you don't see Nathan McKinnon in too many commercials or in too many advertisements, right? Connor McDavid kind of keeps it low key. He's got a couple ads here and there, not nearly the amount that you see Austin Matthews on. So there's something to be said about someone's work ethic, their focus, how serious they take their profession, which is hockey at the end of the day. It's not being this superstar. They're not going to fights with Justin Bieber. You're a hockey player. You, you got to do the work, my friend. You, goals just don't happen. You have an immense God-given talent. You got to work at it, though. I, I've seen so many players who could have been a top five player in the NHL who were first-round draft picks, high first-round draft picks, and they just flame out because they just don't have that work ethic. It happens to everybody. So Montreal will turn it around. I, I do think they have enough there. Mike Hoffman will play well. They got Savard. I, I do think they have a good team, but Jake Allen's not their guy. I'm telling you right now, they need Carey Price to come back. I thought they'd be able to, you know, kind of hold the team up without Carey being there. That's a terrible phrase, but Jake Allen is not that guy, and he's played okay. If Carey Price is going to be out long-term, Bergeron needs to make a move, and he needs to make a move fast. So he needs to figure out where Carey Price is at in his recovery and gauge if he's going to be back some point in the season. But if not, you need to go out and, and find someone. Because Jake Allen, as good of a backup he is, he's not a starting goaltender. He's one and four. His stats are okay, but it's it's just it's not working right now. So I'm not, but I'm not more, I'm more nervous about Toronto than I am about Montreal because I think Montreal has the depth. They have the guys who can kind of steer them out of this. I don't think the guys in Toronto are as invested. I think Johnny Tavares is. I don't think the other guys are that invested in winning. So it'll be interesting. It, it's been a very interesting first couple of weeks of the season, to say the least. The teams that I expected to be there are not there. And the teams that are there, it's kind of like, whoa, what's happening? If this holds and Buffalo manages to make the playoffs without Eichel, trading away Reese Linen, trading away Reinhardt, it'd be, it'd be unbelievable. It'd be really Donato or Granado. I got to find out who the coach's name is. It, it's embarrassing for me. I think it's Granado. I think it is too. He'll he'll win coach of the year if they go 500. 
<laughs> without a doubt. With that, with that roster, yeah. How how can you not? All right, Tim. Anything else we gotta touch on? No, it's great to be back. Great to see you again. I'm gonna watch some hockey tonight too on ESPN plus. And thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate the support. I am happy to be back from Disney. You know what? It makes you appreciate being home, going away on vacation. You walk through the doors and it's like, Oh, it's nice to be back. Yeah. It really, I, I'm not going away for another 10 years. Never again. <laughs> it's it. Like that. I checked that box. I told the kids, I'm like, you better have had a good time because that's the last time dad's going to do that for a long time. Oof, was not fun. You know, there was a point in the trip where I'm driving. I'm like, I don't like any of you in the car right now. <laughs> Including and I said, that, I said that to myself. I'm like, I don't like any of you. I love you. I don't like any of you right now. And that included my wife. I was like, this, <laughs> I don't like any of you. They're screaming. My wife and I were having an argument about something stupid. I'm like, this is a miserable trip right now. And then it goes away. You know, you forgive each other and you move on. But there's a good four or five hours where like, I was ready to just throw everyone out of the car and just drive on myself. They were probably thinking the same thing of you. What's dad's problem? What's your deal today? I thought you were my friend. <laughs> You're supposed to agree with me unequivocally agreement. That's what I expect from my friends. From your friends or your co-hosts? Both. I'll just be Both. in echo chamber. Great point, John, by the way. Yeah. Say, I agree with you. Your, your family is terrible. That's all <laughs> I want to hear. Those girls are sweet little angels. They are, but hey, they can have off days too. And that, oh boy, it was, it was a couple hours where I was like, who are you? Just screaming in my ear. Like literally I had one kid who came up and licked my ear when I was driving. I'm like, are you not in your seatbelt? How is this happening? I'm like, don't touch. I literally said, don't touch me. And I like pushed her back. I'm like, get out of here. Still don't know who it was. All right, everybody. On that note, I hope you guys have a good Monday. We'll talk to you on Wednesday, Tim. Yep. And thanks for the support. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.